Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's podcast. How are you doing, Jen? Happy thank- pre-Thanksgiving, actually. Happy pre-Thanksgiving to you. Pre-Thanksgiving, actually, I think when the audience actually gets a, a hold of this episode, though, it'll be after Thanksgiving, but you know what? The intention is there. That's right. The, the intention is there. You know what I found out? I found out that turkeys don't actually go gobble. Can you believe that shit? I mean, they kind of do. They make a sound that uh, I actually I actually got a little sound clip because I didn't want to have to do it on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Somebody told me that <laughs> they sounded right. more like peacocks. They do. And, only, and they, I know exactly what do. peacocks sound like because okay. I live down here in Pasadena and you got peacocks running all over the freeway. You want to hear what it sounds like? Oh, you have a sample? I'm going to put it up. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's not like a gobble gobble though. It's not a gobble that gobble. That sounds like they a dinosaur. Sound, that sounds yeah. like a group of dinosaurs making a bunch of racket. Exactly. They do sound like peacocks though. Yeah. You know, those peacocks yeah. are crazy down here in Pasadena. Are they? Right. Yeah, there was some story yeah. a long time ago. I don't know exactly the the premise of the story, but somebody let out a couple peacocks here in Pasadena, along with a lot of other things, including parrots, by the way. I think mm-hmm. the story is that they originally had them at the LA Arboretum to, I guess, be a part of the botanical garden that exists there, and mm-hmm. they somehow got out. So now you can see them walking along the side of the freeways. I have a friend that lives across the street, sometimes see peacocks on his roof in his house. What? Yeah. I have never seen that. I have seen the parrots, though. We used to um, get those little green parrots in our yard. Really? Yeah. And they make a lot of noise, too. They and do. For whatever they're reason, loud. They, they come around like 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning, and they just make a bunch of racket. But they're cool when you look outside and you see a bunch of wild parrots yeah. uh, in the trees. And I have a friend that's a, a real estate agent. Her name is Jessica. And uh, I helped her one time uh, with this home that she was trying to clear. She was trying to clean the front yard and keep it clean. But these peacocks, because this was over in Arcadia, because apparently <laughs> they hang out in Arcadia. So if you guys are in oh, Arcadia, you okay. want to see some free peacocks, go to Arcadia. Anyways, they just drop these massive loads in the yard. Oh, yeah. And they're like monstrous sort of dinosaur type of loads. And she just continuously, <laughs> perpetually had to keep cleaning the front yard because of these peacocks. Oh, my God. Oh my God, can you imagine that? You're cleaning up after an animal that's not even yours. Oh, I know. And it's oh, like, you man. can't really be mad because they're so cool. You know what they I mean? They are so cool. Yeah. You know, and they have the, like, when they have their feathers out and they're just sort of looking at you. It's pretty, pretty cool, especially if you're not from this area. I see them all the time and, you know, I still appreciate them being there. It's just a cool little element to add to the it's, community and the environment. Yeah. The males are really beautiful. The females are not as pretty. Um, their colors aren't as pretty. The females um, are like brown, right? Yeah, they're brown. Yeah. They also have albino peacocks. Have you ever seen one of those? Oh, those are the special ones. Yeah, they're all white. I, I've they're seen really one of those cool before. Looking. Yeah, all the all the male peacocks want to get after the white white albino <laughs> peacock. I imagine. <laughs> I don't so. know. I think that they're blind. I'm not really? 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Well, you know what? We've entered into the realm of, of Thanksgiving, and I'm grateful for lots of lots of things, Jen. I'm grateful for one. I'm grateful for you, Jen. I'm grateful for all the punny text messages I get. 
you know, the abundance <laughs> of laughter at my intentional dad jokes. And, um, you know, grateful to be able to explore this mysterious and beautifully chaotic world that is the earth alongside of you. Agreed. So it's definitely something to be grateful for. And you know what? I'm grateful for my cat. I'm going to share a really quick story before we get into the business today, which we're going to be talking about how to manifest, cultivate gratitude, which is a really, really important practice that we can work into the holiday of Thanksgiving. But something happened with my cat. So last week, my, my cat, who was about 13, 14 years old, I'm not entirely sure how old she is, but she was a rescue. And 13, 14 years old, that's pretty old when it comes to cats, right? So last week she started, she wasn't feeling well. She started hacking almost like she was wanting to throw up, but nothing would come out. And she's a diabetic. We give her medication and uh, she's on a very, very strict schedule when it comes to her diet, but she just wasn't feeling very well, right? And I had to wait in order to get an appointment with the vet, but she was doing well enough to just sort of hang out and kind of watch over her. Anyways, uh, a day later, she just stops eating. She just stops eating. She stops drinking. That's obviously a big problem. We had to wait overnight in order to take her to the vet. The next day, uh, maybe she started feeling a little better. Like she wasn't hacking as much, but she still wasn't eating. We've had to try all these different maneuvers in order to get her to do it. And she just wasn't doing it. Anyways, we hear sudden walking in the hallway. And I'm consolidating a really complex story. And I don't want to um, add too many details because it was a really dramatic experience for me. Right? She started hiding in places I've never seen her hide before. And you know the stories that they hear about that. That's always a bad sign. Yeah. Always if your a bad animal sign. starts hiding, it's because they're looking for a place to die. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so she was still able to walk around and she was still able to kind of maneuver in different places. So we were watching over her. And then all of a sudden we hear a ruckus in the hallway. And when I look, we, don't, we didn't know exactly what it was, but it was like this, this sort of like fast scratching. I look in the hallway and her legs gave out. Her back oh, legs gave out. No. So I was like, Binksy. oh my gosh, yeah. And, and we had to grab her really fast. We had to go like, okay, we're going to go to the vet. We have to go to the vet. We can't keep her here. So we went to the emergency vet. This was like 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning. 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning, went to the first emergency vet. I had her in my arms and she started seizuring. She was like seizuring in my arms. She was twitching and I didn't really know if she was alive. It was a really traumatic, really, really difficult situation to move through because this is like your pet. This is like your animal. This is like your child. Your child, yeah. Yeah. She's been by my side for like the last 13 or 14 years and she had already conquered death one time already. This would be the second time. Right. So she started seizuring and she started twitching and she was going in and out of consciousness. And I just kept shaking her. I kept just telling her, like, you need to stay awake. Come on, you got you gotta stay awake. And I just was trying to hold out as as much as I can. Anyways, we went to the first vet. They turned us down because they only had one doctor. So I was like in the car and we were just trying to figure out what we were gonna do. And I just started panicking. I was like, My cat is gonna die right here in this car. And then the vet that we went to recommended us to a vet across the way, another twenty four hour clinic. I get out of the car and I run up to these doors and it's locked. And I don't oh know what else gosh. to do. So I collapse on the floor and I'm like on my knees with my cat in my arms, just trying to keep her awake because she seems to be losing consciousness. Uh, a minute later, the doors open up and two nice nurses came out, grabbed her, ran her inside. I didn't see her again for, I want to say, you know, 30, 45 minutes. Basically, they said that if I had waited maybe another 10 minutes, she would have passed away. Oh, no. Oh, my God. You know? So wow. she... It ended up, what ended up happening is uh, we, we found out that her blood sugar was very, very dangerously low mm-hmm. and that the vet, our primary um, vet, may have overprescribed her insulin for her blood. But I think what ended up happening is during the time she stopped eating, she was eating very sparingly. She was still eating, but not very much. And you oh, know about insulin, why, you have to give so it. So you were giving, yeah, she was getting her insulin, but she wasn't eating. She, oh. was, she was eating, but she wasn't eating as much. Oh no! Right, poor so, thing. Yeah, so she's so is that mixed in with uh, just old age? Um, but 
they think that's what it is, but they're not entirely sure. And this is something that we needed to still do some tests on. But, you know, they had to keep her overnight, 24 hours later. And then mm-hmm. they had her on a catheter, had medication and stuff like that going through her. And she's kind of back to normal now. Wow. She survived death a second time. Can you believe have that? You, have you ever heard of Pretty Litter? Oh, yeah. That's the one that kind of tells you how your cat's doing. Yeah, um, yeah. The litter changes colors whenever they pee, if, they're, yeah. if there's something going on, like, metabolically. You should probably get that litter for her, unless she's super picky and she, you know, doesn't like changes. But um, we use that litter for our cats. I know which one you're talking about. And it Mm kind of just gives you a graph of uh, kind of how their urinary health is and things like that. Yeah, the different colors. Yeah. Yeah. So if if she's in metabolic acidosis, the litter will turn um, orange. So you can, so you know that something's going on. And if there's blood, it'll turn red. If, um, if it's just like normal, it'll be like normal yellow, green. And they, they told me even with the prescribed dose that the vet had recommended, they still thought the dose was high. Wow. Yeah, they still thought the dose was high. So this could have been something that had been cultivated over time. Yeah. Uh, but they were just saying like, you know, that two units that you give her just may be too much. So yeah. I'm grateful she's that my cat, cat is though. alive. Huh? Yeah, she's she's pretty little though. She is very, like yeah, she's little. Petite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's doing good. And she, you know, they had to like shave different parts of her body. So she looks kind of like oh. a poodle right now because they had to do the, the IV and stuff like that. But she's doing good. And I'm extremely happy because I had an existential crisis, Jen. I was oh, thinking sure. about what it would have been like to not have her in my life. And that really, really hit me during that time. And I was a wreck. You know, Jen, because I was sending oh. Jen text messages. I just was losing my shit. Oh, my God. I, my heart was so broken for you. I was like, oh, please don't die. <laughs> I was yeah. at home meditating and sending her like Reiki healings. And mm-hmm. I was like, stay alive. <laughs> That's another thing to be grateful for, Jen. I appreciate that. And of course. Um, I think that probably contributed to her getting better. She's actually down here right by my side and everything's going good. And she's back to normal now. She's eating, she's drinking, everything is good. Another one of those things to be grateful for. She conquered death twice, right? She, she had a near-death experience. Yeah, and she still has seven she, lives left. Seven lives. You know what? She went in, she probably saw the other side, talked to her guys, and their guys are like, nope, you need to go back because this guy's going to fucking lose his shit if you leave. And she's like, God damn it. Okay. All right. Okay. Or she, or she just may have seen you know, how much it really, really mattered to me that she was there. And she was like, you know what? I still got some. I still got some juice. I still yeah, got, I some, got juice some time. Here. I got some time. Yeah. So speaking of uh, all the things to be be grateful for, definitely my cat, our families, of course, anybody that's listening, I'm sure everybody's grateful for those things. We wanted to spend some time today and talk about gratitude as it pertains to Thanksgiving, because um, I think this seems to be a little bit more universal. We're not going to talk about you know Native Americans and pilgrims. We're going to be talking about just sort of universal energy that we can all relate to, which is the practice of gratitude. And I think that this is a really, really good topic to cover. Yeah. I think so too. So gratitude is something, and I'm going to kind of tread more into the Buddhist perspective when it comes to how we tackle this. And I think we have a couple um, lists and things that we can kind of get into, but gratitude, it isn't the first thing that people think about when it comes to practicing spirituality. It's easy to lose track of the reason why people practice things like Buddhism or spirituality, because mm-hmm. we, in a lot of ways, over-identify with this concept of self-improvement, personal growth, this idea of getting better. These practices that these Buddhists engage in, like meditation, prayer, yoga, even these New Age practices like breathwork, they don't exist as a way to improve you. Uh, we wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily look at it as a type of improving. Um, these things exist as a way to help us become more aware of the subtleties in life that right. we often miss. They help us become more aware of the gift that is living. Because when we're doing meditation, when we're doing breath work, we're becoming a lot more in touch with our bodies, 
becoming a lot more in touch with these things that we tend to kind of take for granted in a lot of ways. But the reason why these practices are so important is because they cultivate gratitude because we appreciate those little things that we do. And spirituality exists as a way to get us to start paying attention to the impact that we make on our world by helping us become more conscious of our behavior, not Absolutely. only externally, but within as well. And this is, a, I think, a common misconception that happens in spirituality, which is, you know, we practice as a way to achieve some type of result. But I think, from my perspective, we practice to gain perspective of a lot of things that already exist in our environment. And a lot of these practices are meant to help cultivate a type of presence that allows us to engage with these more natural things. Yeah. So we're going to get into the impact that gratitude can make on your life, maybe make you aware of uh, just some maybe principles and um, some resources that you can kind of take with you on your journey to help you cultivate a lot more gratitude in your life. And then we can share just some principles and from the Buddhist perspective and see see how the Buddhists take a look at this thing. Because as much as you know, we don't think they practice Thanksgiving, they do something relative to Thanksgiving, but their okay. emphasis is more on gratitude. If you think of anything or a few things that you're grateful for right now, Jen, what would those things be? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm grateful for my, um, my friendships. I have some amazing people in my life, you being one of them, of course. Oh. And I'm uh, so grateful for my family. I have literally like the best family. I'm obsessed with all of them. Your Texas family? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. My Texas family. And um, even my in-laws are really wonderful too. A lot of so, good Southern um, food. Yeah. Yeah. I got the sweetest text message today from um, my friends, uh, Shana and um, Tracy. So uh, we had Friendsgiving in California and I wasn't able to to make it. And uh, they sent me a picture of everyone like with sad faces and we're like, oh, we really missed you being here. I don't know. Really warmed my heart. It was really nice. That's so cool how like Friendsgiving has become a thing. I don't know if that's a millennial thing, but it's one of those things that I, I became a really integral part of my life as I got older. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, we have the Thanksgiving with our family and most of those experiences are not with friends. So they create a secondary sort of experience with friends, Friendsgiving. I think it's like really, really important. I've had Friendsgiving every single year for many, many years. And it's nice to be able to celebrate and be thankful for the friends that you have. Absolutely. You know, my family doesn't live here and Thanksgiving is the most expensive holiday to travel, um, even more expensive than Christmas. And I don't really? know why. Yes. The flights to Texas are over $1,000. It's insane. So um, I never go home for Thanksgiving. So what we've done um, the last like six or so years that Jeremy and I have been together, we always go out of town on Thanksgiving. So we'll go somewhere. And this year we're um, going back to Sedona. So we've been to Sedona a couple of years for Thanksgiving. And it's really nice. Just go camping, hang out, skip the whole big Thanksgiving dinner and just like yeah. connect with nature. That's an awesome way to spend Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I'm one of those people too, like I, I don't really care for just sort of like the typical Thanksgiving sort of food, like the stuffing and the turkey stuff Ugh. like that. You know what I mean? I hate stuffing. And, and I hate beets. Ugh. Oh, beets. Yeah. I'm one of those Ugh. people that just likes to create new things because it's really not necessarily about the food unless you're into ritual like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I like to try and find a recipe that I've never made before. And this year, this year, Jen, I'm making my world famous vegan meatballs and curry sauce. Ooh, that sounds really good. I like that. Eric's world I famous. I like that. I'm going to make that for the fam bam, and uh, we're going to have a good time. But, you know, for me, it's just about spending time with family. I'm fortunate enough to have my family live here, so it's one of those things that we do. Yeah. What other things are you grateful for, Jen? You know, I am grateful that I have a J-O-B, especially after COVID and so many people being unemployed and yeah. this being a very hard recovery financially for other people. 
very grateful to have a job. So the three, three major things, you know, friends, family, and a job, I pretty, pretty much have everything that I need shelter. <laughs> yeah. All of the basic necessities. It takes a lot to identify those as like being legitimate thing to be grateful for, especially nowadays, because these are just things that seem to always be there. It's so easy for people to lose track of the fact that we have these families and these friends and these Basically, it's easy for people to take that for granted, right? Because their egos are always seeking for some sort of emotional, mental, physical, material stimulation that we forget that these simple things are there. You know, know, I'm so glad that you brought that up because um, this is actually on my list of the 10 things of how to practice gratitude. And anytime I'm talking to somebody new about spirituality and manifestation and practicing gratitude, they always say the same thing like, oh, you know, my life's so bad right now. I don't have anything to be grateful for. I'm like, what? It always blows me away when I hear that. And I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea. So, um, you know, even if your life is in the dumpster, you know, uh, you got laid off from your job, your car broke down, your partner broke up with you, you're about to be evicted from your place. No matter how bad things get, think outside of the box and find things to be grateful for. So instead of feeling sorry for yourself, right? Um, So start, start with something like that you take for granted like running water. I mean, there's lots of places in the world that don't have clean or running water, food to eat, a roof over your head to keep you dry from the rain or, you know, warm from the snow, um, heat or air conditioning in your home um, to keep you comfortable so you can sleep at night. Any family members that you have, maybe your best friend that's always listening to your bullshit and all your problems. I mean, there's so many things to be grateful for if you just kind of like Start with the things that you take for granted. And you'd be surprised at how many people take those things for granted because you just yeah. always think that they're going to be there. My cat's a perfect example. You know, it's yeah. like you always assume that this animal is going to be by your side yeah. until reality sets in and you realize that, you know, their mortality is a very, very real thing and one day they may not be there. And all right. of a sudden, all of these feelings, you place yourself out of this box of thinking that they're always going to be there and reality sets in. You open up these sort of floodgates of emotions that you maybe lost touch with. There's this uh, Buddhist thing that I read the other day, which says the human incarnation entails 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. It actually says this in the Tao Te Ching, but with those sorrows, we have the privilege of sunsets and the tastes of different foods that we like Absolutely. and the you know almost unbearable beauty of life all around us. Along with those troubles, life just keeps continuously recreating yourself. And basically what I'm trying to say is that it's so easy for us to think negatively of the challenges that we experience. But the fact that we have these contrasts, the fact that we have those people at our work that piss us off is a really, really beautiful, graceful thing because those people have contributed to your growth in a lot of ways that you may not be paying attention to. And the bad things that happen in your life, it's always really good to remember them and remember where you came from. And compared to where you are now, right? So it's setting up that contrast between good and bad, and it helps you build a really solid foundation for gratitude moving forward. Whenever you think about like, oh, you know, this time last year, X, Y, and Z was happening, and now look how much further I've come. When we learn from our difficulties, we become grateful for the opportunity to experience them, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, And I think difficulties in challenging situations you know, teach us in ways that nothing else can. You know, they test our boundaries, they test our patience. When you look at each situation as an opportunity for growth and learning, then you'll see that person that irritates you at work. Then you'll see that unfortunate situation, maybe losing your job is like a blessing because Mm -hmm. I learned the most from the most difficult experiences that I've ever gone through. Because those experiences are, you know, some of the only things that have the ability to just sort of break you a certain way to where you have to start reevaluating and thinking of life in a different way. I have a coworker that really pisses me off. Like 
I I haven't been this triggered by someone professionally ever in my entire career. I mean, I don't know. There there must be something there, right? There's something in this person that I don't like in myself Uh because they have that ability to really trigger me. Mm -hmm. And when I was working on this episode, one of the things on the gratitude list was to ask three questions about relationships in your life. So whether that be with a family member, a friend, a coworker, um, your child, a partner. And the question was, what have I received from this person? What have I given to this person? And what difficulties have I caused in the relationship with this person? And after asking myself those three things and I was able to answer them, I was like, okay, all right, I see what's going on here. You know, you have to be radically honest with yourself, but it really does help to reframe the relationship. Yeah, you notice how like at every job, every career that you've ever been in, at least for me, there's always that one person. Yes. Right? Life strategically places that one person into your field and into your midst. Those people, and and I've experienced this before. I had a coworker and and no matter what it is that I did, she just didn't like me. She just didn't like me. I think it was just because I was younger and she was older. And, uh, you you know, you run into sort of cultural differences when it comes to your work ethic. And she Mm -hmm. just didn't like me. And so it was so easy for the ego to start looking negatively at that situation. You know, you hear that voice inside of your head that's just like, fuck that chick. You know what I mean? Fuck that woman (laughs) or this person, you know? Like there's Mm -hmm. all this negativity that comes and you have to really check yourself. And that, in retrospect, when I think about it, taught me patience, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the the, the biggest things that you need, especially in the work environment, is patience, right? And so when I'm looking at that in retrospect, I have a lot of gratitude for um, having worked alongside this person because she triggered something in myself that I needed to work on that needed to be healed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, exactly how I feel about this coworker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard. You have days where you're just not in it. You know what I mean? You have days where you're just not, you're not in the mood for it, Mm -hmm. but it's an ongoing thing. I worked alongside this woman for like five or six years and it was a really arduous struggle. But in the end, when I look back, because she moved to a different space, I've, you know, caught her a few times and we sort of just look at each other like, you know what, there's this inside knowing of like, I understand why this person was placed into my field. Completely understood why the universe brought that into my life. And I just feel so grateful to be able to have gotten that experience. What other experience can do that? That's Most true. people aren't going to change unless there's some extraordinary set of circumstances that get you to change. Because a lot of people become comfortable. They're comfortable with being who they are. And if nothing happens to where they have to, you know, they're forced to change, then most people, a lot of people have, diff- have difficulty with transitioning into something else. Absolutely. And, you know, you have to be compassionate too. And I try to be compassionate with my coworker as well, because I'm like, wow, this person has such a high level of insecurity. Like all of their interactions and their responses come from a place of deep-seated insecurity. And, you know, I have I have compassion for that because, yeah. you know, we all have our demons. Right. And, I, and, and the, the exact same thing with uh, this woman too. I knew mm-hmm. for a fact that she was going through really, really difficult times in her life. And that was one of those things I tried not to forget in those moments. And yeah. in the same way, um, I feel like I taught her patience in a lot of ways too, because mm-hmm. she couldn't accept the fact that I was as patient as I would because she wanted me to break. She wanted me to break. And I think over time, it started to frustrate her because she couldn't break me. And so it's interesting how there are two different types of lessons and scenarios happening at one time. And that's the perfect sort of ground for source and spirit to move through your life and teach you these things. So gratitude develops patience because when we're content with what we have, we could more easily tap into 
being patient when it comes to things that would typically make us impatient. We live in a very, very fast-paced environment that's driven by technology. It's driven by the productivity, the, the speed in which technology develops. We adapt. Our, our, our human bodies and our consciousness adapts to how fast things go. And so it becomes almost like this sense of entitlement for us because everything around us in our environment allows us to get things instantly, right? It allows us to um, get instant results when it comes to things. And because of that, we find it difficult to find ourselves in situations that are a little bit more peaceful. We forget the stillness that we have available inside that can help us cultivate just a better sense of self because this fast-paced environment can get very tiring on the body and on our health. People with a strong sense of gratitude are more likely to be able to you know, delay things like gratification, uh, passing on small rewards and things like that. So I think like developing a sense of gratitude can help people chill out yeah. and slow down. You know, while you were talking, I was looking at the word gratitude on my computer and I'm wondering if this was a combination of two words and I don't know what that's called. Whenever you combine two words to make a new word, it's like porta, porta something. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but I was thinking gratitude is a combination between being grateful, like grateful and attitude. Oh yeah. Like grateful attitude, gratitude. That's a perspective. Yeah. Right. How about that? It's a perspective that you have. And, and, and gratitude, like as I was talking about with patience, it's like if, you, if you're completely present with what you have and you're grateful for the things that you have, no matter how simple that they are, that will be enough. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about being grateful for being alive, being grateful that you have a, a roof over your head, that you're able to eat, that, you're able, that you have shelter. If you have all of these things and they mean something to you, then I think that like sets the pace for patience to just naturally enter into your field because you're not going to look externally for things in order to make you happy. I think that's where um, patience um, comes in when it comes to that. Another thing that uh, gratitude does is it cultivates mindfulness, right? It allows us to be aware of the gift of life, right? There's a Zen master named uh, Suzuki Roshi, and uh, he calls this sort of like the beginner's mind. The beginner's mind is to see the world just sort of like really fresh without being lost in our reactions and judgments and uh, to see it with clarity. Because if we can see it with clarity and we're able to acknowledge all the simple things in life, then we're able to respond to the world rather than react to it. Like yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and I think most Buddhists, they, when we think of Buddhists, we think of mindfulness. Mindfulness mm-hmm. and gratitude are exactly the same word. Oh, they totally are. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yes. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. And we were talking about this. Um, actually, Hebe talked a little bit about this when he was on our podcast about um, whenever he would work with clients, he would teach them how to be mindful and be present by holding a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, like, and using yeah. all the five senses. So you're, you're feeling the warmth of the, of the cup, you're tasting it, you're listening to it brew, and you're smelling the aroma, right? So you're using all of your, all of your senses to engage in that small pleasure. And, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, the little things in life. If you it's the are little present, things. Yeah, if you're present and um, actively participating, it, it helps you become more grateful. These are things that we tend to take for granted, right? Yeah. Things that we tend absolutely. to take for granted. Things that are always there. They're always there all the time. And we, we lose track of those things. We think that they're insignificant because they're not producing us with, I don't know, maybe a dopamine high or some sort of like push from our neurotransmitters. They're not stimulating us in the way that, you know, like five cups of coffee do. Because these are things that are always, to some extent, in our minds, always there. So it's easy to take these things for granted. But the practice of, of mindfulness and, and gratitude is being conscious and aware of everything in your field that has helped contribute to where you are right now, right? Gratitude helps us 
realize how many lives were involved in getting to getting you to where you are. Family, friends, people, the environment, just like you said. You know, even somebody, even it, because we're looking at like a, a quantum mechanics, quantum physics sort of thing, like literally every single person, it could be the person walking down the street right now is every bit as responsible for you being here as all the other things in your life that are immediately, you know, impacted by your existence. And it's yeah. really, really important when you practice mindfulness is really about just being present to what's already there and being grateful for just what you have, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Thanksgiving is about, right? Just being grateful and thankful for the things that you have. Don't be afraid to share your gratitude with other people too. Yeah. You know, if you're feeling it, say it. It's a perfect way to help strengthen your relationship and also to be to be present and increase your manifestation of abundance with the spoken word. Like my family, we have this sort of ritual um, that I started um, a a few years back. And I tried to do this with other families that I've spent time with, which is like, you know, we sit at the table and we all share what we're grateful for. Oh, we do that too. I always cry. Every year I cry. Oh, really? Yeah. There's always somebody at my family that does, usually my mom, you know, because that's where we get like uh, really into the deep sauce. I've always been one of those people that they they consider to be really, really super emotional and deep. So they know I'm going to say something good. <laughs> they know I'm going to say something good. I'm one of those people that like takes up both sides on the gre- on uh, holiday cards. Oh my you know? gosh. Do you prepare what you're going to say ahead of time? Do you um, like think sometimes. About, think about I it? used to, not so much anymore. I sort of just channel it as I go. Mm-hmm. You know, but when it comes to like giving gifts to people, yeah, like I'll write something. I'm usually a lot better at writing than I am of just speaking on the fly. Yeah. But yeah, I try and make it as meaningful as possible. Oh, you know? that's really sweet. Yeah, so we share. And then, um, so it wanted to kind of equip you with just some things that you maybe already practice. How can mm-hmm. we cultivate gratitude through practice? These may be things you already do, like just like I said, but try and approach it with this type of perspective because developing and committing to a practice that you can sustain and uh, that can help you, you know, provide you with a, a sense of gratitude, I feel like is important. So yeah. one of these things is, Closed-eye meditation. Closed-eye meditation, which is something we probably all do, helps us connect more with the gratitude of our own silence and stillness. This allows us to be grateful for the fact that we have this peace inside that we can access anytime, that stillness. And even just being with yourself, you know, spending time with yourself, the practice of uh, closed-eye meditation allows us to be grateful for the fact that if life is crazy outside, we can retreat within for five, 10 minutes, out of the day or even all day long if we want to. I think that will help to cultivate a sense of just being grateful for existing. Yeah. yeah. And then and then breathing. Breathing is another practice. Breathing helps us connect more with the gratitude of being alive. And this is mm-hmm. one of those things. This is a perfect example of what we're talking about, Jen. We breathe every single day. All day, yeah. every single day. But do you think of how many people forget about the fact that they're breathing? Because it's always there. It's something that we do. But if we really take a moment and think about how important breathing is, it is the reason why you're alive right now. Ask like someone able who has lung disease breath. about breathing and it's something they'll never take for granted. Oh yeah. And that's another thing that you can, you can sit with yourself. You can do, you know, you can do the crazy, you know, holotropic breathing and stuff like that. But just, if you can take a moment and just be with your breath and just acknowledge the fact that it's there, I feel like that, that can really, really help cultivate gratitude because mm-hmm. that thing is working in collaboration with you all day, every single day, and it helps keep you alive. And it doesn't ask for anything, maybe except food, right? Because mm-hmm. you got to eat food, but it doesn't ask for anything. It's just there watching you beat your own ass, watching you in all your crazy adventures. And in all that time, your breath is still there being yeah. like, what's up? I'm here. Yeah. It's the first thing that you're born with and the last thing that you die with. Yeah. And then also breath is the main contributor to the fact that we're even able to communicate right now. Without the breath, moving and dancing with vibration 
it couldn't happen. You know, imagine what it would be like to not be able to be able to converse. I mean, unless we're evolved into the 5D gen and we're able to, to, to telepathically communicate the vibration that we have and the breath work in collaboration in order for us to be able to communicate anything. I don't know why I thought of this, but I was talking to my friend Damien about telepathic communication and time travel and aliens and all the things. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I think that aliens are just like what humans are evolving into. Yeah. They have small mouths because they communicate telepathically. They stop, you know, using their, their voices. Their arms are thin because they're not doing physical work anymore. Robots will have taken over all of the physical labor jobs. And, um, yeah, and you know, their heads are, are larger because, you know, they're using more of their brain um, with, and they're pale, right? And different yeah. colors from not being outdoors at much, as much being in front of screens and, you know, all of that. And uh, just talking about like the, the physical differences totally blew his mind. He was like, oh my God, I never thought about that. That makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it almost, yeah. It totally almost seems does. like there's less, there's less of an emphasis, less of an emphasis on an, ex, an exterior sort of uh, perspective of people. Like we're not dealing with fashion. We're not dealing with uh, materialistic sort of endeavors. Like they have probably evolved to yeah. the extent where they, a lot of their, communication or correspondence happens through spirit. It right. happens through, like you say, telepathy. And I was thinking about, we had the episode, the last episode about twin flames and soulmates. Mm -hmm. And we we're talking about Greek mythology, where at the beginning, prior to human beings being created, they were considered androgynous, mm -hmm. right? Until, you know, uh, Zeus split them into two, right? And then that's when the sort of birth of, you know, uh, the sexes kind of came into play, like male and female. And mm -hmm. I feel like with aliens, it's very much the same thing. As we evolve we start becoming more androgynous. You notice like aliens oh, yeah. don't have reproductive organs either. Maybe they've uh, mastered something where they're able to live forever or they're able to reproduce in a different way. But I completely agree. Like their mouths, their mouths are really small because they're not having to speak, right. you know? And when it comes to evolution, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? You lose it, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just like really basic prim principles of evolution. Yeah, anyway. we're going to be aliens. We're on the way. We're, we're on almost the way. there. I mean, like five, <laughs> 10 years. That's what Elon Musk says. I mean, so, especially if that whole um, uh, Neuralink thing catches on. <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about that, but that's an entirely different conversation. So that's a whole nother podcast. Let's get yeah. back to gratitude. All yeah. right. So walking meditation, right? Walking meditation is another way that we can cultivate gratitude because it helps us connect more with the gratitude of connection with life, mm -hmm. right? When we, when we practice cultivating gratitude through, you know, rituals and things like that, we can rewire our brain to appreciate the simple yet powerful elements of being alive. And the one beautiful thing about walking meditation is it allows you to be grateful for what's around you. So if you're yeah. walking and you're just observing what's around you, you'll see, wow, look at this beautiful aloe vera plant. Look at these monsteras. Look at these pathos. Look mm -hmm. at this sunset that literally is free every single day. Yeah. And it's never the same. It's always different. All these things are in our present moment that are there every single day gracing us with this beautiful, beautiful gift of just life blossoming all around you. And walking Absolutely. meditation can help you get in contact with these things that are already there. When you start seeing these things and observing them and even just witnessing, I, I've gotten into this thing with, with plants, Jen, I know that you have too, mm -hmm. but there's something so satisfying about watching a plant grow that Thrive. you've helped grow. Yes. You're like, yes. <laughs> you know? I love it. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. It's I started propagating. Like I started propagating plants. I started, mm -hmm. I, I got this little tiny, tiny little snippet of a monstera from my brother-in-law. He gave it to me. I didn't really think much of it. He's like, you yeah, plant this. And I was like, okay, this is the first time 
I had tried to propagate a plant. This is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I put it in this uh, sort of propagation station with some water, and it started to root. And I was like, holy shit. Oh, my gosh. And then I potted it into some soil, and now mm-hmm. it is like literally thriving. Oh, I and love it. there's just some connection that I have with these plants, mm-hmm. knowing the power that human beings have to create. The power that we have is so it, it it's, it's so powerful when you actually apply it to something that can give you sort of like a noticeable type of return like plants do. Oh gosh, yeah. Plants are amazing. And you know, I think humans as a species are very forgetful. And, um, you know, life gets busy. We forget. We forget uh, about the loved ones in our life. We forget about the small things. Um, and we just start to kind of lack awareness. So, you know, just like you were saying when you're, walk, you know, take a walk and walking around and doing a walking meditation, those visual reminders, those thoughts like actually do trigger gratitude during that time. So, it's true. you know, the best and the best visual reminders, I think, are other people. And, it, and, we, and a lot of people, especially in our fast paced society, are looking for some way to assuage the pain of their anxiety that they feel. Right, they're looking for some way to sort of resolve the uh, maybe trauma that they're recovering from from being alive, just um, mm-hmm. having gone through different levels of atrocities, but also maybe the stress that they feel at their work, and they don't automatically realize that they have all of the right resources and tools in their environment that can help bring them back to baseline, mm-hmm. right? Like nature, right. like watching a sunset, like being you know grateful for the fact that you have people in your life, like your family that love you, because when, like when we lack this practice these practices that we're talking about, then we can fall victim to things like desires and wants and addictions because a lot of these things are driven by the ego. When our ego isn't checked, the ego wants to get shit done, right? It wants to be productive. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when we start over-identifying with this feeling of having to be productive, but also experiencing all this crazy anxiety because we don't feel like we're popular enough, we're sexy enough, or we're beautiful enough, that really, really takes a toll on the body. And if so... If a solution to your anxiety is what you seek, these simple sort of practices exist to bring you back down to baseline. But the crazy thing is they're so simple and and, and they're so practical that a lot of people don't even realize that they work. Somebody asks you to just sit there and not move and just sort of like think and, and or sit down and just be present. It's like, oh, well, what am I going to get from that? They want it to instantly impact them in the exact way that they want it to. It's almost like you don't trust the body to bring you back down if you need it to, but it will if you trust it. If you trust the body and you trust your environment, it will bring you back down to peace. Another way that we could practice gratitude is through affirmations, which oh, is like uh, yeah. communicating, right? Are good. Mm-hmm. So we we often think about everything that can go wrong in any given situation. This is, a, I think, a wildly sort of accepted form of programming. Mm-hmm. We are conditioned in a lot of ways to think about all the things we don't have, all the things that can go wrong in any scenario. But maybe mm-hmm. try switching your perception. This is what they do in Buddhism. And uh, it's so subtle and it's so practical, but it totally works. Instead, remind yourself of everything that is going right in your life. Everything that is going right in your life. How about rewiring your brain to start introspecting uh, about all the things that have gone right? When people go into this habitual pattern of thinking back at memories and somehow they only look at the negative aspects of them. But how about like looking into your past, picking out different areas of your life that went right, the yeah, different so, areas of so your life. So much goes right. Yeah, absolutely. And making that promise to yourself to actually practice gratitude. Anytime you make an oath to yourself to perform any type of behavior, um, it increases the likelihood of that action actually coming to fruition, right? Yeah. So um, there's something about the written word. So write down your commitments and your goals 
and you're much more likely to achieve them. That's true. And, you know, you, you hear this a lot instead of saying, you can just, you can rewire your brain just off of saying these affirmations out loud that you typically don't say. And these can become, uh, you know, a pattern of behavior. And then these can become a part of your personality. I think Joe Dispenza talks a lot about this too, where it's like at the beginning, it becomes a, a habit mm-hmm. and then it becomes a behavior. And after it becomes a behavior, it becomes a part of you. So if you say, instead of, I have to do this today, you can say, I get to do this today. I get to do this. Yeah. Right. And that's like a popular one that we hear all the time. But if you say this enough, if you say, well, you know what? I have the opportunity and the privilege to get up and go to work and be able to make an impact on my world. That I think is huge. I think that can create a really, really big impact in your life, right? Because we have to be really careful of how we talk to ourselves because our spirit is listening to your ego at all times. If you cannot distinguish the difference, then you can fall victim to believing what it says. This is the reason why it's really important to practice some level of distance from your ego, which is awareness, right? There's awareness and then there's ego. And mm-hmm. if you are over-identified with your ego and you don't realize that spirit is there, the crazy shit that your ego says to you on a daily basis, you'll believe it. You'll believe everything that the ego tells you. And more often than not, because the ego is driven by desire, you're going to be let down a lot of the time. And then the ego is going to start talking negatively and you're going to identify that as a tangible reality for you. It's not going to make you feel very good. So practicing awareness of the things the ego says, I think is really, really important. Be be really careful of the things that you say because your spirit is listening to your ego. Absolutely. I can't remember um, who said this quote and you probably will because it's a pretty famous one. It's the watch your thoughts because they become words, watch your words because they become actions, watch your actions because they become habits and then watch your habits because they become character and your character becomes your destiny. Oh yeah, exactly. And that's kind of like another way of what Joe Dispenza talks about. We learn from our our shared world and our collective environment. All of our personalities, everything that we are is a product of our environment. The people that we talk to that are reflecting your personality back at you, when you surround yourself with good people, you will think of yourself as a good person. If you surround yourself with negative people, you'll start after a while to feel like you are a negative person. Our environment shapes who we are very much so. That's what you know cultivates and creates this ego that we have. My grandma says, if you sleep with dogs, you'll get fleas. And that shit's hard to get out. same thing. Yeah. That shit's hard to get out. out. Yeah. So I would say, you know, take a moment and uh, review all the memories of your life to find out what areas that have taught you the most important lessons. Find yourself amongst all those different traumas and different things uh, that you've gone through in your life. And, uh, you know, think of the way that you speak to yourself. You know, just maybe shift your perspective a little bit. You know, take a moment to contemplate all that you have to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And you'd, be, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at how many people don't do this. You know, instead yeah. we, we contemplate all the things that we don't have. We don't have. And then that puts you in, uh, that puts your mind in a place of lack. And anytime you're operating from a place of lack, all that does is bring more negativity and more bad things into your life. So if you're right. operating from a place of gratitude, that brings abundance. So right. things you just start manifesting in a completely different way by changing one thing, by yeah. changing one thing, not thinking about the negative and focusing on the positive. Yeah. If what you have in your life is enough through the practice of gratitude, which is like you're happy that you're alive, you're happy you're on this journey, then you could you could so easily drop into the creative space and create and build the life that you want in a much more cohesive and peaceful way without all the negativity that comes from the ego. When you're to, what you're talking about is almost like the, like manifestation, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. manifest from a place of lack. You can't manifest from that place of negativity. So what I mean, place you can, do you manifest But you from? just manifest negative things. Yeah. <laughs> you manifest more strife, more hard times, you know? 
Yeah. Uh-huh. So if you manifest from that place of, I already have what I need, I'm completely happy. So if I don't get this other thing, that's totally okay. Because you know what? I'm still here. I still got this life that I have and that's enough. And yeah. I feel like if you're operating from that place, you're, you're more than likely going to be able to create and build the life that you want without there being the pressure, without there being the pressure. Uh, there's also meaningful action that we can kind of engage in when it comes to this thing. Meaningful action cultivates gratitude. And this is like shining your light into the mirror of another soul and seeing the direct reflection of your love being shown back to you, right? It shows that the simple gesture of love can make a strong impact. And it helps us realize how powerful we are when we're being authentic to ourselves and when we give love to others. So meaningful action could be cooking for others. Smiling. Smiling. Saying thank you. Volunteering, you know, volunteering your time for something. Being kind, just like you said, helping others. These have a direct sort of um, result that we're given back. Like you're able to give something that is loving, has a loving intention. And more often than not, we'll get a loving sort of energy back. With just really simple actions. I mean, to smile at another person, you know, maybe that person was having a really bad day and nobody has smiled at them all day. And that gesture was able to lift their spirits. But it's really important not to do it with the expectation of getting something back. I think the reason why these sort of meaningful actions come into play is because it's coming from a place of contentment with just being alive and Mm -hmm. uh, being grateful for the things that you have. So if you're grateful for the things that you have and you're content with your life, you'll naturally, naturally fall into this natural happiness and love for yourself and your life. And you'll just naturally do good things for other people. You don't want to just look at this as uh, instructions on how to get something from somebody else. Like don't just be good to somebody in order to expect somebody to reciprocate that. You want it to come from a pure place, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You want it to be authentic. So I have some, uh, now that we're on the, we were talking a little bit about the sort of Buddhist perspective. I have some, I have seven, these are actual lessons, Jen. I think these are really important to bring over. These are seven Buddhist lessons in gratitude. All right, let's hear them. Right, we'll go over them really quickly. If you guys want to take note, I think this was really powerful. It's very practical, of course, but I think this would be really important to share. One one is be grateful for nothing, right? I like that. Nothing happened. You didn't lose your job. You didn't mm-hmm. get cheated on. You didn't die, right? <laughs> When's the last time that you took the time out to be grateful because nothing happened? That's so right? true. I've actually never been grateful that nothing happened. I've never thought about it, thought about it in that way. Yeah, because we're always we're always looking for something to happen. Yeah, we're always we're always looking for something unusual, something fucking extravagant, something to blow our fucking minds. Right, right. And those things can sometimes give you the gratification that you want, but we don't have as much control over our world as we think in most cases. Mm-hmm. And so, the one thing that we can fall back on is being grateful that today, or tomorrow, or whatever day that you happen to be in, that nothing happened. Nothing happened. Right. I love that. Yeah. So, I like it. Yeah. The first one is be grateful for nothing. And be you grateful know, for nothing. I have another piece of advice, and this actually came from my childhood best friend's mom. She said, if you don't know what to do, just don't do anything at all. Things have a way of just working themselves out. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. And that's kind of along the lines of like being grateful for nothing. And that is also a trusting of the universe. Mm-hmm. Like we have to acknowledge it to some extent that we, there are just some things in life that we don't have control over. Right. You know, and you can, we may think that we have control over these things because in our mind, we think that we can somehow manipulate our environment in order to get the result that we want. In some cases we can, but when it comes to those like really difficult, challenging situations, I think it's really important to trust the universe and give it away to the universe because it's either that or you drive yourself insane trying to figure out 
this issue. At some yeah. point, you just have to throw up your hands and be like, you know what? I surrender this to the universe and hope for the best. I know all about that. All yeah. about that lately. Yeah. 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 You've had to do a lot of that this yeah. year, Jen, with, about your, about this with year. your job at Field Trip. So yeah. a, a second part of this, Jen, is make gratitude your central practice. I think we kind of touched on this a little bit prior before, but we should be especially grateful for having to deal with annoying people and difficult situations because without them, how could we practice patience? exertion, mindfulness, loving kindness, or compassion. It is by dealing with these challenges that we grow and develop. So we should be grateful. Next time you see that coworker at work by the water fountain, next time you, you know, your barista at Starbucks spells your name wrong, like just look <laughs> at them and be like, you know what? I'm happy that you exist because this contrast has to exist in order to help me awaken. It has to exist in order to get me to kind of learn a little bit about this life thing that we're in, right? Because there's not a whole lot of other experiences that have the ability to get us to to change. So be yeah. grateful for those irritating people that are in your life. You know, you know, and I thought about this too that we didn't really talk about was journaling and like how that can help you with those annoying people that you work with to journal and kind of like let out that, those anxiety and that angst. Um, but also to write down the ordinary events and the people that you value and the small like wins in life. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about, there's something about the written word, you know? Oh yeah. I know I've said that multiple times in this podcast, but it, it's uh it's true. It, it is true. It's exactly the same thing as speaking something into existence. Right. You know, you're using that same, uh, sort of contemplation power in your brain in order to communicate something. You're just doing it through your hands. Mm-hmm. You're communicating through your hands. And, you know, you have a visual sort of, a, uh, I guess, visual stimulation when it comes to this language. You're able to see it in the same way that you're able to hear your own voice. When I talk about, like, making gratitude your central practice, I think many people believe that uh, a Buddhist's main practice is to meditate, to pray, to achieve a set of accomplishments related to, let's just say, enlightenment. But I think the central focus of Buddhism is gratitude. So to be grateful for what you have, just like I said, and to create a shift in your perspective to um, you know, acknowledge all of the beauty that life has to give to us. So the next one, we're on the fourth one, is be highly responsive to the kindness that you receive. So the sad truth is that kindness that we received is seldomly, um, seldomly creates uh, lingering feelings of gratitude. And Buddha actually talked about this 2,600 years ago when he said, quote, these two people are hard, are hard to find in the world. Which two? Question mark. The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful and thankful for a kindness done. Right? So Buddha said that. He didn't, Buddha, he, didn't procl- he didn't proclaim this in a negative way. He was acknowledging that these two were rare and that we have an opportunity to be these special and rare people. And we do. We have the opportunity to be these two people. One who is the first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful and thankful for a kindness done. And if we want to be one of those rare people then we can become a beacon of light to other people in our world uh, to help assist them in awakening for, you know, help assist them with uh, enlightenment. So the next one is look for the silver lining. Look for the silver lining, which is train yourself to see a positive in the presence of many negatives, right? Then gratitude will emerge from even the most challenging of circumstances. We can always find a positive in each situation. And there's this, uh, there's this Buddhist- grateful heart is a magnet for miracles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Grateful heart is a magnet for miracles? Mm Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. There's this uh, this Buddhist fable about a monk who's walking in the forest. I thought this was really interesting. I want to know what your perspective about it is because I'm looking at this from a Western perspective, but I can understand the wisdom that's in here. So there's this there's this like monk that's walking in the forest, and he sees a lion. He sees a mountain lion. He gets scared, and he's mountain lion. He's, he's running away from this mountain lion, 
in the mountain lion chases him off of this cliff. So the, this, this uh, monk, he, he jumps off of the cliff and he's able to grab a hold of a vine. He's okay. able to grab, grab a hold of the vine. I, I can imagine this sort of cinematic scenario in my mind. We've, I think we've seen uh, movies where this happens. Anyways, he's, he's grabbed a hold of a vine and he's hanging from the vine. So he's looking below and he sees a bear below. And he looks up and he sees the mountain lion above. And then he sees two mice appear from the cliff and start chewing away at the vine. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's a bad so, day. While dangling, while dangling from this vine, the man sees a fresh strawberry growing from the vine and then smiles because the strawberry is so delicious. This is a Buddhist fable. The whole reason behind this story is that in any negative, shitty situation, you can always find... find. Something to appreciate. Yeah, I like right? it. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I love the story of that, but that's a shitty situation to be in. That right? sucks, yeah. I don't know how I would feel <laughs> if I was hanging from a vine, there was a lion up there, a bear at my feet, two mice chewing away at the vine, and then a fucking strawberry. <laughs> and, Strawberries are delicious, though. Yeah, they are delicious. But can you imagine them? Can you imagine them hanging from the vine and just being like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. Oh, this strawberry is delicious. What is this? What is that, a strawberry? I mean, the other part of this, too, is strawberries grow in the dirt. So how is there a strawberry on the vine? It's a fable, Jen. It's a story. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That is another, that is another teaching then. Miracles okay. can happen. Miracles can happen. There you go. Miracles can happen. Right, and how long does it really take for mice to chew through a vine? I don't know. It seems it, it seems far fetched because all of these things are happening at the same time. Yeah. When's the last time you went on a hike and you saw a bear, a lion, and two mice at the same time? That's true. You and, know what I mean? And a, and a, fucking, and a, and a fucking strawberry <laughs> growing from a vine, exactly. <laughs> hanging from a tree. I mean, there's some, yeah, there's right. some magic happening here. And I can I can feel my ego coming in and being like, no, I don't care what way you want to swing it. That situation sucks. There's no positive yeah. to come out of that. Right, but Agreed. but if we're being grateful for what we have, and we're being grateful for everything in life, then we can be grateful for the strawberry. Agreed. You know, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was meant to be that literal, but you know, I get the the premise of the story. Is yeah, that yeah, you can be I in a it. tough situation, and you can find some strawberries. Things will be good. <laughs> yeah. So the second to the last one is expanding your mindfulness. If we were to create a list of what we were grateful for, how long would the list be? Would it be 20 pages or would it be 1,500 pages? The length of our list is dependent on the level to which we are mindful of all areas of our life. Mm -hmm. Does your list include simple things like being alive, breathing, food, shelter? And I, I think we tend to forget about these things when we allow our egos and desires to take over our lives, right? So if we're able to remember all the little things we have to be grateful for, we can naturally become more appreciative and mindful. Mindfulness and I think that's meaning? a good place to start. You know, if yeah. you're struggling with thinking about things that you're grateful for, start with the things that you take for granted and then go from there. Yeah. And it's funny whenever you, uh, and this happens to me, right? When I'm like feeling like a little blocked or stuck and I'll start saying those things or writing them down and then the floodgates open of all these other things and then I can barely keep up, you know, yeah. with all the things that I'm grateful for. Yeah. It's like, and I feel like, and I feel like this is a, if, I feel like this is true in a lot of ways because it's like, if you ask somebody, maybe you're in like a team building exercise at your work and they're like, okay, write down a list of everything that you'd be grateful for. I mean, maybe if they had the time, they'd have the, you know, the, the time to write down 500,000 things. But I think most people's lists would be a lot smaller than we think. And most of those lists wouldn't include all of the simple things. They wouldn't say, oh, I'm grateful for the plants that I have in my front yard. 
I'm grateful for, you know, the food that, that I ate yesterday. I'm grateful for the fact that I have legs. I'm grateful for the fact that I can smell things and taste things and hear things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine a lot of people's lists including that. I mean, if they do, that's great. But I think what this, when it says expand your mindfulness is deepen, deepen your practice to be fully, fully aware and present to what's in front of you and all around you. Yeah. I was, I was looking for the title of this book, but I couldn't find it. Um, I ordered it a couple years ago on a suggestion from my friend Elise and it's the 30 day gratitude challenge. So this book has like, uh, it's like a workbook pretty much. And every day it asks you different questions to help prompt, you know, thinking about the things that you're grateful for it, at the end of the 30 days, it's supposed to make you a significantly happier human. And um, so I ordered the book for both Jeremy and myself and we did it. We didn't make it the full 30 days. We made it like 21 days. That's but, pretty good. Um, yeah, but still, it's so true, right? Whenever you're really focusing on every single night before you go to bed or every morning whenever you wake up on the things that you're grateful for, it really does make you happier. Was so if you're easy? feeling depressed and the holidays are here, got a little seasonal depression, you know, maybe some COVID depression, whatever, yeah. Try this exercise. I think it'll help. I wouldn't be surprised if like, we went up to somebody and we're like, okay, you're grateful for just being alive. And they, they, just, they just respond with like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know it. what? That's true. I have fucking five fingers on my hand. You know what? Sometimes I'll look at my hands. Sometimes I'll, look, I'll, I'll, I'll get caught looking at my hands. I've been caught looking at my hands at work, staring at my hand at work. I've been caught just staring at my hands. And people ask me like, what are you doing staring at your hand? Because it is fucking insane that there is this divine creator out there some force out there that designed these, this hand, mm -hmm. right? This isn't just anything. This thing has the ability to grab things, to do all this crazy shit. Like it yeah. had to have been designed specifically for a purpose. I am always just so grateful for the fact that I have hands. Grateful for the fact that I'm able to just walk down the I'm street. Look at my hands. I have like really witchy hands. You do? I have like old lady witch hands. Yeah. I'm uh, like very veiny with long fingers. If yeah. you point your finger, will like electricity <laughs> come out of it? Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Zapping some shit. Yeah. <laughs> so th this is just about like deepening your practice to include what's in your moment. I think this could also help cultivate more presence. It allows you to be more present. Like yeah. I'm, I'm pretty certain that there's some area in the house that people have in the homes that they live that they forget exists. Like I've mm -hmm. looked at certain areas in like my room or my house or my apartment and I'm just like, whoa, shit. Sometimes I forget that I have a plant over there, you know? Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. I forget that I have like this shelf over in the corner. Like it's so easy to forget everything that we have. So I think the practice of being more present really, really helps us, you know, see our environments a different way. Until you have to move. And then, yeah. And then you realize how much shit you then have. you realize how much shit you have. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's my the gosh. And then you have, then your list becomes a lot higher of all the things that you have to be grateful for. You're like, I gotta be, I gotta, I'm grateful for all the crazy shit I have in my garage right now. Right. So when I end this out, Jen, there is a prayer, believe it or not, there is a prayer that Buddhists recite with each other during Thanksgiving holidays. Well, let's hear it. Right? And we'll end it. We'll end it with this prayer, something that you guys can all keep in mind. And this doesn't even have to just be for Thanksgiving. This is just a, a gratitude prayer. Okay. Right? And it says, With gratitude, I remember the care and labor of a thousand generations of elders and ancestors who came before me. I offer my gratitude for the safety and well-being I have been given. I offer my, I gr my gratitude for the blessing of this earth I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the measure of health I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the family and friends I've been given. I offer my gratitude for the community I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the teachings and lessons I have been given. 
and I offer my gratitude for this life I have been given. Right? That's beautiful. It's beautiful. And the one thing yeah. that I love about this uh, uh, Buddhist philosophy is that these are all very simple things, but they're so powerful. They mean something different to them. And Buddhist, I mean, Buddhism, this is a practice that's, you know, stretched thousands and thousands of years and they get it right. They get it right because they understand the power is in the simplicity, you know, mm -hmm. the power is in the acceptance and just the appreciation of being alive. And in this prayer talks about a lot of the things that we talked about in this episode, just being grateful for health, family, friends, and just being alive and your cat. Yeah. And Sancho. You know? He, and he made it another, he's going to make it one more Thanksgiving. I can't believe yeah. it. And yeah. that dog, that dog's come a long way, Jen. Oh, he has. Yeah. Yes, he has. Like he, that dog is your spirit animal and Binks is my spirit animal. And you know what? We're going to, we have a lot more years to come with the animals. Absolutely. Right? Because they both conquered death. They had that option. You probably at some point looked into their eyes and they were, and, and, and they, they saw you, they saw how much they mean to you. And they were like, you know what? I'm going to stick around for you. I'm going to hang out. Yeah. I'm going to hang out. So like, hang I out could go, longer. but I'm going to hang out with you just a little Aww. longer. You know? Yeah. 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 So that was a nice one, Jen. I hope everybody has a really, really nice Thanksgiving. Hope you have a nice Thanksgiving, Jen. Oh, thank you. I hope you do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And it's it's uh, it's going to be nice to be able to see the family and uh, be able to visit with them. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and practice. I'm going to, I'm going to practice gratitude. Everything that we talked about today. I may even say this Buddhist prayer during our family dinner. How you should. That? I was actually going to make that suggestion. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be really, really cool. Really, really cool. So everybody out there, thank you for tuning in to Vine Odys Podcast. I hope you guys all have a really wonderful Thanksgiving. When you see your family, when you see your friends, just maybe say thank you. Just the, They might think it's weird. Like you go up to your family, you're like, hey, you know what? You know what? You know what, Mike? You know what, Travis? You know what, Chad? Thank you. Thank you, Chad, for being Chad. Right? And they're going to be like, what's that for? And you'll be like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just saying thank you. And they're going to be like, thank you. Right? Yep. Always good times. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to Find Nobody's Podcast. You can, uh, if you can like and subscribe to our episodes, that'd be really, really amazing. You can leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, you can also reach out to us at, you know, uh, Divine Nobody's Podcast at gmail.com. at gmail.com. And uh, if you go into the description of the episode, you could actually find the YouTube. If you guys are into watching long format video episodes of podcasts, uh, go ahead and like and subscribe. You can see our videos there. And if you guys have any questions, you can also reach out to us on Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you. And also follow us on Instagram. We post uh, just some daily content there and some videos. And uh, thank you guys again. And happy Thanksgiving to all. I think that's it, right, Jen? That's it. All right. Namaste, friends. Namaste.